Wait a minute, baby. I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Stay with me a while. Hi, folks. Hello, having a good day today. Let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must know that I am not a doctor or psychiatrist. If your son or daughter is diagnosed with autism, please see a physician. I only see based on my experiences. I also don't own the right to this music. Both musics were found on September 2011 and November 28. Now, I have some pay for the following. I'm going to give a shout out to Farm Bureau. Hey, I also like to give a big thing to my man, Brandon Barrett, at Farm Bureau in Bedford, Indiana. He also gave me a very generous donation to help me build my podcast and business. Visit him there today for all your insurance needs. Please check out Caster Kids as well. Brandon and his wife run this fishing charity and have helped many kiddos over the years. And I got given a wagon wheel. Welcome our new sponsor, Wagon Wheel, to Bloomington, Indiana. They are your local shop, steakhouse, and caterer. They have the largest variety of made in-house products that you will find in southern Indiana, along with their house-made deal, deli side dishes, salads, and lunch meats. They have eight different flavors of marines. And they also have DoorDash, so that's kind of cool. And I go to Steve Miller and Angel Shear. These two have been behind me 100%. Check out Steve Miller Tax Service today in Bloomington, Indiana. I know taxing is over, but there are late fillings too. This tax service will take care of all of you, so call them. And I give it to Sam Hutchison's. Mr. Hutchison's runs the Hope for Xavier Foundation and the podcast on Acre, Xavier's Journey. One inspiring man and excellent father. Like my mom, he and his son, number one fan, and his true advocate in his corner. Please check out the work of this feeling if you want to be inspired. And I went to Patty Daner. I want to tell you something very cool about my friend Patty Daner, editor of the Green County Daily World newspaper in Green County, Indiana. Her art, juxtapositions, and explanation of color and light by Patty Daner and Eric Wolf, two friends, and abstract artists showing their own works, collaborative pieces, which blend into two styles. The show will run through the month of June at the Carnage Heritage Art Center in Linton, Indiana. An artist reception will be held on June 4th from 6 to 9 p.m. All works well will be available for purchase at the Carnage. Good luck, Patty. We love you. But I also have the people I'd like to thank. I want to thank Jamie Springer from Pals for purchasing the Quick Package Podcasting Coaching Session. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, check out my website for various packages. I can help you out. And thank you to my friends Benny, Amy, and Connor Flynn. Benny gave me a various donation. We thank him very much. And I did it on May 22nd. I graduated from high school, moved to Ivy Tech, and it says university, here I come. There are simply too many people to thank for that. If you were a positive influence in my life and on my podcast journey, thank you. Now, before today is one of the days where we have to actually draw for our big shirt. So let's see who won. And it looks like to me, our winner is Benita Mabel from the Squash Podcast. So woohoo to her. We'll make sure to deliver your shirt, Miss Mabel. And folks, we'll be right back. We have a quick break, but then we'll get into what we're going to do today. Stephen R. Miller, CPA in Bloomington, Indiana, will take the stress out of your tax preparation and filing. With over 35 years of experience, he is knowledgeable, friendly, and will help you reach your goals of minimizing your taxes without having to spend days reading through dry, technical, and difficult materials. Mr. Miller will prepare your forms and meet with you prior to filing to make sure that you know what to do and when to do it. Stephen Miller and Assistant Angel Shear will make sure your tax prep is easy. See them today at 205 North College Avenue, in Bloomington, Indiana. Tax season is right now and not around the corner. Call Stephen Angel at 812-332-0557 or email at stmillercpa at gmail.com. Do it now and don't wait until the last minute to do your taxes. All right, folks, and we're back. And yes, please check them out because if you need help with your taxes, they'll take care of you. Now today, folks, we got a very special guest today. Sarah Tomoko is not only an advocate for social justice, but working to stop the problem of racism, Spreading the message of equality, a singer, an actress, but she's also an advocate for mental health as well. Sarah Tomoko starred in the series Sneaky Pete exclusively on Amazon Prime and my favorite show or one of my favorite shows, Resident Alien as Asta on Sci-Fi. Miss Tomoko believes that everyone should take care of themselves, disability or not. 
Those on the spectrum often do not feel confident in themselves because they are looked as as not normal or different. This can often cause anxiety or depression, which is not good for a person's mental health. I will dive into the topic of taking care of your mental health with Miss Tomoko, and we will learn about her accomplishments thus far. We're not only viewers and fans residently, but now we're fans of Miss Tomoko's work for mental health. Welcome, Miss Tomoko, and how are you doing? Oh, I am so, so happy to be here. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. So my first question to you is, what does being a mental health advocate mean to you? That's a great question. Being a mental health advocate to me means that you are loud and proud about talking about mental health. I think it's so important in any aspect of your life, whether it's career or relationships, friendships, projects, endeavors, that you are always tapping into your inner psyche and being your own best friend. I feel like as human beings, as a species on this planet, we have a really, you know, overwhelming tendency to be insecure and to question ourselves and to doubt ourselves. And so I've found as I've been pursuing my career, uh, mental health goes hand in hand with that. You know, you can't really observe being a human being, which is what I do as an actor, without observing yourself, who I am as a human being. And I think that being a mental health advocate is, you know, about talking about that out loud, about talking about that with other people and about making sure that everyone else besides you knows that they're not alone. Yes, no one is alone, period. Now, did you have any experience with mental health before you became an advocate? Yes, For sure. I've definitely suffered from depression and anxiety. Anxiety could be my middle name, Sam. I'm telling you, there have been days where (laughs) I- Welcome to my life, buddy. (laughs) You don't have just butterflies, but anyway, that's my life for sure. (laughs) Something I think I, I think I explode my brain out or my sweats. I lose sweat too much. Yeah, I know. Uh, Sweating is a big part of the anxiety, Um, as well as tears. Lots of tears. (laughs) I haven't had tears yet. No. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, you're the sweater and I'm the the crier and together we are just very, you know, anxious people, but it's okay because we fix it with laughter and talking about it. We fix it with having this conversation and these good friendships and making sure that we're tapping into why we're upset and what's making us upset and talking about it. You know, depression and anxiety love to hide. They love to be in the darkness. And so when you shine a light on that, it's hard for depression and anxiety to stay strong. They lose their power when you bring them to the light, right? Yeah, pretty much. Because you're basically playing, like trying to play the most impossible game of hide and seek is what it sounds like. Yes, exactly. And depression and anxiety love to hide. They love to hide underneath your, you know, underneath the clothing that you're wearing. Like, you know, you can feel it on your body. They like to hide in your dreams. Sometimes you have really anxious dreams and nightmares during the day. You know, they love to hide, especially in your thoughts, right? Sam, I'm sure you can agree. Our thoughts, our brain are on fire sometimes with anxiety. We have this ability to what I call ping ponging, you know, have you ever played ping pong? It's like one thought goes from one to the other, and then it goes faster and faster and faster and faster until you can't like, you can't play anymore. You're just so exhausted that you don't want to play at all. And I feel like I've definitely um, had plenty of run-ins with my anxiety. And I got to a point where I realized I needed help. I needed to talk to somebody. 
And I needed that somebody to be, you know, a therapist, somebody who understands the brain and what it is to be human and isn't emotionally attached to my life. It's one thing to talk to a parent or a friend or a loved one, but it's another thing to talk to a professional who understands how the brain works and can help you sort through your thoughts. And that is true. And I believe you, but I'll be honest with you. I'm not saying I don't believe in psychologists or psychiatric help because that helps people. But to me, that's never helped me because for me, I rather get help with a trusted one because I have really bad trust issues, like really bad just from my past. Sure. But that's the reason. It's not because them, it's because of others. So it's kind of unfortunate, but it's the truth. Yeah. You know what? I love that, Sam. I love that you know yourself well enough to know that therapy is not necessarily something that works for you. I think it works for, you know, someone like me. I needed to have someone like that in my life. Sure. I totally get that. Yeah. But I think what's important and what you and I are both saying is that it's about trust issues and doubt and being able to learn how to trust yourself. And if you can't be your own best friend, then how could you possibly trust yourself? And so bingo. So I've been working a long time now on being my own best friend. You know, I sit down with myself every morning. I like to do tarot. I like to journal. I like to sing and play guitar, which really I feel like is very meditative. And I think also friendships. Don't you find it's really nice to have good friends you can talk to about some of this stuff? Oh my goodness, 100%. I think that that's probably the number one healing relationship is having really trusted friends. I call them my circle of trust. Do you have a circle of trust? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I would go to more people than others, but I would say there's a circle. Yeah, well, you know what, Sam? Those people that you would go to more than others, they're the circle of trust, not the others. The ones that you really trust, they're the circle. Yeah, I can, I'll keep them nameless, but I can name them off the top of my head. Oh, cool. All right, we'll keep it, you know, anonymous for now. But I think that's awesome that you and I both- What were your initial thoughts when you decided that you wanted to be a mental health advocate? I realized that as I was becoming more successful in my career, I had a bit of a platform where people were actually coming to my Instagram or my Twitter. They were starting to follow me more because they were seeing me on TV. And I thought, you know, instead of just posting about things I'm doing that day or what my food looks like or a pretty picture of a sunset, I thought, why don't I start talking about mental health? Because this is something that I struggle with. And I bet there's other people who follow me that struggle with it. And sure enough, once I started making posts about mental health advocacy, I got some feedback from people who would reach out and say, thank you so much. I really needed to hear that today. And I realized as much as I needed to say it, to get it out, to make sure that I was being present and vocal with myself about my own mental health, other people needed to hear someone saying it out loud. And I realized there's power again in shedding light on that subject. So when I started, you know, making posts about it on Instagram and Twitter, it felt like I was coming out of that hide and seek closet, right? I was finally saying, no, I'm not going to let depression and anxiety control me anymore. I'm going to start talking about it out loud. And the more you talk about it, the less powerful it controls you. Yeah. And I think based on time, you're you're like proud of it. You're proud of it. It's a part of your life. I'm proud of my autism. I'm trying to embrace that fully. And I'm trying to do 
that are trying to encourage others to do that. Yeah. You know what? That's great, Sam. It's so beautiful the way you said that. I am proud of my, my mental health issues. I think that you can't be an artist. Honestly, you can't create without having a little bit of pain involved, right? A little bit of tragedy because you're really pensive and you're really thinking about that pain and what that means to you, or you're thinking about your sadness, or you're thinking about what the world means. And that can be really scary. And so it's really hard, I think, to be an artist without anxiety. So I have to be grateful for my anxiety because it helps me be a better artist. That's actually, I didn't even think of that. I'll I'll be honest with you. I mean that sincere, like really, wow, actually. I've never thought of that. It makes you be a better human being too. It makes you be a better autistic human being in this world. And it makes you be a better artist too, because you're constantly thinking and then sharing those thoughts with the world. And that's your art. Exactly. Like you're just painting a picture, but not like outsidely, but not literal, but metaphorical. Yeah. Metaphorically, you're painting a picture. Yeah. I love metaphor. (laughs) <laughs> I, I can tell my mom's an English teacher. So I love metaphors, oh. idioms. I got, oh I got the English brain from her. That's good. English teachers were my favorite. Tell your mom. I love English teachers. Oh, I will. Now this is kind of an odd one, but how do you think like a mental health advocate brain operates from just from your perspective? <sighs> well, kind of like what we were talking about with that ping pong metaphor. I feel like you start with one thought and then it kind of, you know, just like, Uh, the way fire would take over a matchstick, right? Like the minute you light a matchstick and the fire starts to burn it down. I feel like you start with this, you know, this one thought and then everything else starts to get mixed into that thought. And then it becomes powerful and it grows like the fire on the matchstick. You overload it. Yes. Uh, You overload, you're just like, you put it there. You're like, you just keep feeding information down the slide, like yes. more, 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 more goes down, which is. And depending on the day, depending on the type of anxiety you're having, it becomes a bomb or an explosion. All of a sudden you have like so many thoughts and feelings around you and you're like, what happened? Why am I so upset? And then if you really kind of break it down, you go back to that little teeny thought where it began. So I feel like when you look at, you know, my mom and I actually joked about this once because my mom is not somebody who suffers from anxiety like me. And I always said to her, I wonder what it looks like in your brain. And she said, I think there's a hammock and an ocean. And I thought, wow, I want a hammock and an ocean in my brain. My brain looks like there's bullets flying everywhere. There's like electricity. There's, there's fires. Sparks flying. Sparks flying. My brain would love to take a vacation in my mom's brain. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. It's kind of (laughs) unique actually. (laughs) Now, what would you say would be like the most rewarding and most difficult thing about being a mental health advocate? The most rewarding thing about being a mental health advocate is finding out how many other people who I have talked to about mental health are suffering and how we have gotten stronger as a society by talking about it and shedding a light on it. So I'm rewarded daily by being my own best friend, working on my practices, you know, making sure that I am doing my best to read things that inspire me, to watch things that make me feel good, and to also be really honest. I think honesty is a key element to mental health rewards. But I also think that, you know, the downside of being an advocate is that you are constantly in the spotlight. You know, people are looking to you for answers. And 
you know, Sam, we don't all, nobody has the answers. Sometimes we're all just, we're just floating on a ball in the sky, right? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. That's right. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Right. Anyways. Okay. You got me singing now. Okay. Um, it's all right. I don't care. <laughs> and so, you know, it's not a problem. It's just more of, it can feel a little bit like pressure sometimes. Sometimes you feel a little bit of pressure when you're in the limelight and you know people are, are looking to you for answers and help. And some days you don't feel like giving help. And that's the days that I feel like I need to be the most honest. On the days that I don't feel like being helpful. The days about they- 100% is the days you need to like boot it up a little bit. Yes, those are the days I need to talk about it even more. I need to, I need to just say out loud, you know what, guys? I don't feel good today. And I don't know why, and I don't want to get out of bed. And that's when you really have to talk about it because that's the days that they're the hardest. And then you have other people who are also advocates making you feel better by coming back and saying, Hey, I've had those days too. So it ends up being a give and take. It does actually. Yeah. What would you say? What advice would you give to someone who is wanting to be a mental health advocate? I would say uh, the advice I have is just be 100% honest. Don't try to pretend to be something you're not. Don't try to make yourself happy because people are watching. Like be honest when you're having a bad day, be really honest about it. And when you're having a good day, be really honest about it. My dad says this too shall pass, which we've all heard that phrase before, but he reminds me that that's also something you need to say on your good days. You know, like this too shall pass, even on your good days. So when you're having a good day, my dad says, enjoy the shit out of it. That's what you should do, right? Like on your best days, enjoy that you are doing it right and that you're feeling good about yourself and that you're confident. And on your worst days, just remember this too shall pass. Yes, ma'am. I will. And now let me ask you a little funny question. Did your resident alien dad say that or your real dad? My real dad, who also, my real dad also is somebody who has suffered before from depression and anxiety. So he and I talk a lot about it. It's actually something we bond over because it's something that we believe passed down through different generations in our family. Yeah, I gotcha. I was trying to make a cool transition because next thing we're talking about is resident alien, but- But unfortunately, I was kind of thinking it didn't quite work out as I planned to. It did, it did. You know what? My resident alien dad and I, his name's Gary Farmer. He and I also have really great conversations on set and they're always really wonderful. And and he's just the sweetest guy. But we have talked before about taking care of yourself. So it's a great transition, Sam. Thank you. I tried. I actually really did try. You did great. (laughs) Thank you. So now, how did you feel? When you got the call that you would be a part of Resident Alien. Oh my gosh. Ah, So good. Okay. So I was with my husband and we weren't married yet, but he and I had made a film together and we were so very proud of it that we decided we were going to go show it at a theater with a bunch of our friends. And I had auditioned for Resident Alien the week before and I hadn't heard anything. And that night, the night that we were getting ready Sam, I was putting on like a really cool outfit. My husband was putting on a really cool outfit. My brother was in town. All of a sudden I got the phone call and it was my manager and my agent and they were calling me together, which they never do. And they said something like, I'm really sorry to tell you. You booked it. They totally fooled me. And then I started screaming. I ran over to my brother who was like blow drying his hair. I said, I got it. And he said, you got it. 
and then we started hugging and laughing and dancing in the living room. And my husband and I were all just, we were so excited. And then we were like, oh, we got to go to the show. <laughs> so then we had, to panic mode. Yeah, we were like, oh God, we got to go. We didn't tell anybody. We kept it our little secret because I wanted to make sure that the film that we were premiering that night got the attention. You know, I didn't want to take attention away from it. So we enjoyed the film. We had a lot of fun with our friends and we didn't tell anybody. But then the next day I called my parents and I freaked out and it was so, so fun. Give me like one surprise fact about Resident Evil. Like what's some like surprises about Resident Evil? We want to know like some with the filming, some about one of the characters. Your call, you want to answer it. Okay. Surprise meaning like something people wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah, like the viewers wouldn't know about Resident Alien. What's up? Like, I like dropped the papers right now. <laughs> I guess. Well, I can't tell you any like, you know, I can't tell you any plot point secrets, but I can say that working with Alan Tudyk, you know, everybody loves him. He's so funny. But I think what's surprising about Alan is when the cameras aren't rolling, he's very quiet. And he sits in his chair and he shows pictures of his dogs who he loves. He has two sweet little doggies and he has his wife, Carissa, whom he loves. And he talks about his wife and his dogs and then maybe some politics on the side. But usually he's pretty quiet. He's listening to music. And I feel like that is so surprising about him because when you meet him, you think that because he's a funny guy, he's going to be funny all the time. And I think that that probably happens a lot to comedians. But Alan is actually really reserved. He's very sweet, very tender, very kind, and very quiet. He likes to just, you know, kind of prepare himself for his scenes. Oh, I have to do that too. You know, I'm, yeah. very, I'm a reserved guy, but I've heard this. Reserved people sometimes are the funniest because they They're they don't they don't everything. open your mouth, but when they open their mouth, oh lord, you better be prepared to get a diaper. Exactly, on. it's like he's conserving his energy for the moment that he's on on camera. So I think it'd be a, a big surprise to people who actually got a chance to meet him and work with him. They'd see that he's actually pretty reserved, and that's because he's you know, he's conserving that energy for the camera. Now, just for my peak, when's season two coming out? Is it, cause I try to find online stuff. I can't find nothing on it. Well, we haven't even shot it yet, Sam, but we are going back to Canada in July. We start shooting in August and we are supposed to be shooting all the way until next year. So I'm not really sure when it's going to air. My guess is kind of around the same time that it aired this year. Okay. You know? you know, right around the same yeah. time, maybe like kick off the new year with it. But I really don't know. We haven't decided. That's yet. okay. I understand. I, I was just trying to find information. I couldn't. And can I make a guest appearance? Oh my gosh. I hope so. I'll ask. Oh, I, honestly, I will ask Sam. We'll see. Oh, I, I'd love to make appearance on that show. That'd be so cool. You could be eating some pizza in the background. You know how Harry loves pizza. Yeah, maybe just be like, what's up? <laughs> exactly. Now, from season one of Resident Alien, what is like your favorite scene and the funniest scene? Because, whoo, half the stuff in there is so funny. Oh my gosh. The funniest scene. Ooh, well, anytime that I'm with Alice Wetterland, you know, she plays Darcy. We have a blast. So... I'd say one of the funniest episodes for me was episode three 
when we got to go on the beach together. And then we got to go to that high school party that we didn't realize was a high school party. And then we ended up showing up to Harry's cabin and we had to go to the bathroom. Like, you know, I thought that I couldn't love Alice Wetterland more, but every time we're in a scene, I feel like I fall in love with her even more every time. She's so funny and we have such a blast together. Those are some of my favorite scenes are the ones with Darcy. But I'd have to say from the pilot, do you remember when Alan is like juggling intestines in front of me? That was hilarious. That was the first time I was really working with Alan and he did a different take every time. Every single time he came up with something new to do touching the brain and, you know, pulling on the intestines. And it was everything I had in me to not laugh during the takes because I had to be mad and serious, you know, but that was pretty funny. That was Every, funny. I'll yeah. tell you my favorite. It's a rare one. It's a sheriff one on the show. Um, What's his yeah, name? Yeah, Corey Reynolds. Corey Reynolds. Sheriff Mike. said, listen up. And they'll search it for the body. If like, if you have to pee your poop, do it on the side of the boat. <laughs> Isn't, doesn't he say something like, be quiet, I want to be able to hear a mouse piss on cotton? They must have said that. He probably did. like that. <laughs> now, another one is this, the kid and the family. They seem like a nice family like on TV. Are they like that in real life? They really are. Levi and Meredith and Judah, they all play, you know, Mayor Ben and Kate and Max. And they are the loveliest human beings. I have to be a little bit biased here, Sam, because Meredith is one of my best friends. And I'm talking, I have known her for over 20 years. And she and I booked the same show. So I couldn't believe it when when she booked the show. And then she got to play this incredibly fun role. And that last episode where she's beating the shit out of those people that was hilarious that's one of my favorite that scenes. was one of my favorites is the very first play when the starships came on when yeah. he started doing that yeah when he's i dancing. thought oh here we go here we go yeah well that was one of my favorites too because that's with darcy again when we, anytime i'm with darcy and we're laughing and dancing it's a good time it is a good time funny fun fact for you in the car when i'm like hey mom when i because i i do listen to starships and once in a while it's one of my favorite songs so when, I'm, when that song's oh. like hey mom like raise yes. the hands up just to just to get it started. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't dance up on the scene, unfortunately, but if I could, I would. You think Resident Alien actually represents mental health in any way? Because to me, when I watch Alan, I'm thinking, okay, he has something. Like, to me, he, he reminds me of like a mental health disorder. Like the character Harry, he reminds me of like autism, not schizophrenia, like OCD or yeah. something like that. Oh, totally. You know what? A really cool concept that I don't think I've really thought about, but now that you're saying it, I agree with you 100%. You know, Harry is an alien, so he's already kind of out of this world. But as an alien trying to understand what it's like to be human, you're right. He is a bit on, you know, on the spectrum of sorts because he's trying to figure out how to be in his body and how to speak and how to behave emotionally. And that's something that I find a lot with people, you know, in general, as humans, we have this tendency to emote. And that is the difference sometimes between people with or without autism is this ability, you know, like you were just saying, like, maybe you don't cry as much as I do, but it's not like you don't emote. You just emote in a different way. Yeah. I have like what I call them is Sarah internal or internal meltdowns. Like, I got like, I don't like, like, "Ah!" you know, I don't do that. I'm like, like, I'm like, just my body just like shuts down. I'm not excited about anything. I'm just like, I don't, I'm not like talkative to people. I'm just like, Hey buddy, how you doing? You know, I'm kind of like the one worded guy who's acting like I'm not interested in you, which isn't true. I'm just, it's just, whoo. 
It's going through, yeah. a, going through a rough hoop right now. Yeah. You know, I think that that's something that you probably have to struggle with sometimes that people don't know. They, you know, they don't realize you're going through something so emotional, but it's inside. They can't see it. And that's true for Harry too. He can't show people he's an alien. So he has to feel all these feelings as human internally. So you're right. It is really similar. I never thought about that before. It is. I love the fact that he changes though. I mean, I always joke around. I think Harry would be, would have be better human than an alien. I always joke around with that, but it's true kind of. That is a great joke. And I think you're right. I think Harry is a better human than he is an alien. He's failing right now as an alien because he hasn't obliterated the earth, right? (laughs) You ain't a kid. (laughs) Now I do have some more mental health questions for you. So what has being a mental health advocate like taught you? Being a mental health advocate has taught me that there's no shame in having mental health issues. And it's taught me that my grief is beautiful. And it's taught me that my anxiety is important and that I'm important. The way that I think about the world is important. And mental health, it's opened me up. You know, you think about mental health and you think about it closing you off. Like you were just saying, you have these emotions that happen internally. So sometimes it feels like you're being closed off from the world. But I feel like now that I've become a mental health advocate, it's opened me up to the world. It's actually shown my truth to people. And I think it's really easy to walk around pretending that we're not in pain, but we all are. We, we all are. are. We all are. And that does make sense because it's kind of reminds you of something my mom kind of taught me, you know, funerals in general, they're supposed to be sad, right? I mean, all of them are. Well, but, for the most part. For the most part, granted. But why aren't we celebrating their life a little bit, you know? Some people have celebrations of life. Why aren't we, you know, crying about they're gone, obviously, but why are we not being happy that, holy crap, why they made these memories with me? Like, I can reflect on the time that they did this. You know, most of the time when we lose people, especially if it's something that involved sickness or pain, then their death, it becomes a relief and a release of that pain. So you feel, you know, happy that they're no no longer in pain. The hardest deaths are the ones where they're sudden and you didn't get a chance to say goodbye. You know, those are really- Yeah, those are the worst. I've never had anyone like die close to me yet. I mean, I've had to go to funerals for like extended family members, but I'm just trying to hold on to my family. And that's one of the things that, believe it or not, this pandemic has taught me. I didn't, I've never liked this pandemic never have i thought god this is a little B- bs but one thing this covid pandemic has taught me is tomorrow is a privilege like off the bat that's right that's really beautiful quarantine really did it made us go inside it made us reflect on ourselves and the things that we want and the people that we love and what really matters in our lives and it made us really kind of realize tomorrow's no guarantee and that's the thing i was going to say about death you know no matter how it happens we don't know what comes next so one of my favorite quotes that i found at the beginning of quarantine and it really helped me get through quarantine is you don't know enough about the unknown to fear it. You don't, you can't be a time ball. You can't have your crystal ball. It could be, you know, just recently. Predict it. Yeah, just recently my husband and I got married and we were supposed to get married at one venue, but then there was a fire in Topanga and that fire made our venue evacuate in a matter of 48 hours. We had to find a new venue and figure everything out. And you would think that we would be so devastated that we had to turn everything around. And you know what, Sam? It was really hard. And thank God for all of our circle of trust and our friends. They really stepped up and and really made it happen for us. But the thing that I think I keep thinking about is what would have happened 
if we had stayed at that menu? What if someone would have gotten hurt? Or what if something would have happened even worse? It's one thing to look at it and say, oh man, I'm so upset that that fire happened. It's another thing to look at it and say, you're like, oh, darn it, that fire. Like I don't have my wedding, you know? Yeah, but it's another thing to look at it and say, well, what did that save me from? What did that protect me from? Maybe something bad would have happened there. Yeah, I, wasn't I, I to wanted to say there. though for that fire, I hope is, have you heard from anyone there? Is like, is anyone doing like, okay? Are they on the road yeah, to recuperation? Okay, Luck. there was only one injury of a fireman that we know of. Um, there was no deaths. There was no destruction of property. So they were able to contain it. There was definitely some parts of the land, obviously the acreage that was destroyed because of it, but nobody was killed in this fire. And that's really, really great. And ultimately we were just grateful that we were able to be safe all of us that was grateful i bet you that's another like tomorrow's a privilege like you just keep that's what i would have you know what we ended up finding another venue it was wonderful our friends still came we still got married we still had a celebration of life and tomorrow's no guarantee so what does it matter where we got exactly and congratulations on getting married to both of you by the way thank you i'll tell him for sure thank you okay You are very welcome. Now, this world has a tendency to have that negative stigma on mental health, which is what I'm trying to remove. So how can the world be more accepting of mental? Like for me, like I have like autism and I have really bad anxiety. How can the world like understand like, hey, you know, he's not being rude to you with that. It's just ignoring or shunning you. He's just having this really bad anxiety attack kind of where to the point where he's just not talking to people. How can that person understand that? You know, I think it's it starts with like parents and teachers talking about it more with their own kids. So, you know, I think as adults in this world, we have a responsibility to the generation of children that are being raised. And I think it's important that we talk about how people are different, that no one person is the same, that anxiety exists. And I feel like if I could have had those tools sooner in my life, I might not have suffered as much as I did in my twenties because I would have had maybe teachers or adults or people in my life telling me that it was okay to suffer. You know, I have really great parents. They They taught me as much as they could. There's only so much your own parents can teach you. And I think it's important that other people in the world, other people that you meet have the same compassion uh, to look at one human to another and say, hey, he might be going through something. Let's leave him alone and not take it personally. And that takes a lot of guts. That takes a lot of taking your own ego out of it and saying, you know what? I'm not going to take this personally. Whatever Sam's going through today, He's obviously going through something and I'm going to be here when he's ready to talk about it. I wish we could do that a little bit more. And I feel like if, if there were more adults teaching children that in the various places, you know, the, we all have role models. If everybody had the willingness and the kindness and the compassion to treat others with that respect, that maybe they're going through something and it's hard and it's not our fault and it's not personal, then we wouldn't be taking things so personally all the time. And what's kind of sad about it is we have friends in this world. And granted, I'm not saying that part stinks. That'd be awful to say. And that'd be really stupid to say. But nah. but what's sad is it's you have to pick the you have to go to those people. You know, I wish, you know, I wish I could go to this person, but I know they won't understand hundred percent. I don't feel as comfortable with this person. You get what I'm trying to go at? Yeah, I do. And that's where your circle of trust is so important. You need to know where to go and who you can talk to. And there are some people who are just never going to understand. And I think your job as a mental health advocate, just like my job as well, 
is to recognize when some people don't have the ability to have that compassion. And then you, Sam, and you, Sarah, we don't take it personally if somebody doesn't understand us. You try to you try to educate and teach. You don't, you tell that person, hey, here's the deal. I understand that you don't know right now. Let me explain what's going on here, in my exactly. opinion. Exactly. That's where we have a job. You and I, as advocates, we have the job to help educate others, to help others say, hey, this is a time for compassion, not judgment. Bingo. Time for compassion, not judgment. That It really is, actually. Now, real quickly, I forgot to ask you with Resident Alien, do you like see any like resemblance with your character, Asta, and yourself? Oh, yeah. How so? When I first got the comic book, I looked at her and I thought, that looks like me, like on the cover. I just felt really strongly that I really connected with her right away. And then reading the script... She's very sarcastic, but she's also very emotional. And she has a lot of things that she's thinking about, very dramatic. And, you know, not to put myself down or anything, but I happen to be a little dramatic sometimes. <laughs> and I happen to be a little, a lot emotional sometimes as we were talking about. I mean, I cry when I laugh. I cry when I'm sad. I cry when I'm happy. I'm always crying. I'm a crier. So to see that Asta is so tapped into her emotions, that felt pretty familiar to me. The thing that we don't have in common is I really don't like to wear jeans, Sam. I really don't, but she oh. wears jeans all the time. I feel you. No, here's a reason. It's a sensitive issue. You know the pocket it's on your bottom, basically? Like the, yes. the, the Oh, I hate, I, that's the one reason why I hate them. Hate the pockets. I hate the way they look on my body, but you know what? Asta loves jeans. I think so they look I good have. personally on well, you, and that's a compliment. You. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. And I and so does Asta. And she, you know, she's a minimalist. She doesn't really have to wear much. She just likes her cool leather jacket and her cool jeans and her cool boots. And what I like about her is that she's simple and that she's and I say simple, meaning like, you know, she doesn't need much. She just wants people to love each other and she just wants people to understand one another. And at the same time, she wants to be understood. So I feel really, you know, I feel like she's a kindred spirit because I feel very similarly. I want people to just love each other and understand each other. And I also want to be understood. Sure, I could see that with, with you and with Asta as well. I, I think I want to talk about now I'm Sneaky Pete a little bit. So how'd you get asked to become Suzanne Sneaky Pete? Oh my gosh, Sneaky Pete, I did a self-tape in my living room. And you know what, Sam? I loved that audition because I had a couple moments where I made some mistakes in the auditions and I got to a point where I just said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about this audition anymore. I'm just going to have fun and I'm just going to do it the way that I think that I feel like doing it and I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And I sent it off and I got it. And that was a really beautiful, wonderful example of how as an actor, sometimes we think too much. Sometimes we think too much and we need to just have fun and not breathe. Work. Take the, take the deep breath. Yes. And the more that I started having fun with my auditions, the more that I started realizing whether I book it or not is not the point. It's just to have fun. Are there any similarities between Sarah and you? You, I mean, Suzanne and, wow, I can't get the names right. Suzanne and you. Suzanne is 
very different than Asta, right? Suzanne is somebody who's very clean and put together and she likes things a certain way. She's a little OCD. So when things start to go awry, she kind of unravels a little bit. I'm similar with Suzanne in that way. I like to, you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily OCD, but I do like a good plan. You know, I like to put things together and organize. And when that plan unravels, it can be a little much for my anxiety, but that's what I'm working on. I'm working on being a little bit more go with the flow and tomorrow's no guarantee. Let's have fun. Let's breathe. And I'm trying to be a little bit more, more like Sam. Laid back. More like Sam, less like Suzanne. Got it. And I'll tell you, maybe this kind of can resemble you. When I went to um, Texas, I had like, I wrote like a full itinerary. And when something like didn't go away, I like busted out, like, because I, because of it didn't go the way I wanted it to. But then I went to Florida and I was, went with the flow and was pretty laid back. That vacation was so much better than the one in Texas. Yes. My husband took me on a road trip once and I had never done a road trip without planning it out. But he said, what if we don't plan a thing? And I was like, oh, I don't think so. I can't, oh, I don't know. And he said, no, 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 no. We're going to have so much fun. And Sam, it was the best road trip of my life. You had just had to learn from him. He, he did it though. He persuaded you. He persuaded me to not plan a thing. And I hope to God, I never have to take another road trip where I have to plan anything at all. Cause it's so much more fun without planning anything. Why don't you tell me like a surprise fact about Sneaky Pete? And again, what's the best scene in your eyes from Sneaky Pete? Ooh, a surprise fact. Well, I was a big Empire Records fan, which is a movie from the 90s. And so I was really excited to work on that show, especially to be able to do scenes with Ethan Embry because he was in the movie Empire Records. And I'd seen him in a couple of different films. So I think the surprise factor that people don't know, and even Ethan doesn't know because I didn't tell him, was that I was a little bit of a geek fan when I got to do those scenes with Ethan. I thought, you know what? This is so cool. I used to watch Empire Records all the time. So that would probably be, you know, the secret of Sneaky Pete is that the whole time I'm doing scenes with Ethan Embry, I'm thinking, ah, it's Ethan Embry from Empire Records. Ah! I'm not <laughs> panicking. I kept my cool. I kept my cool. I didn't say a word, you know, I had to keep it professional. And then one of the most fun scenes is uh, honestly the very last scene where I'm talking to Ethan and my assistant and all of a sudden I start to sweat and like, I've got a tummy ache. That was a pretty fun scene because we were in an actual casino and just the thought of, can you imagine just the thought of like, your tummy's not feeling good. And now all of a sudden you have to go to the bathroom and you're in front of somebody you really like. It was just a pretty funny, crazy scenario. Scenario. To play out. Yeah. I I, bet it was. fun with that one. Just thank God you didn't like all go act crazy on him. Also that I didn't like have an accident right there in front of him. I'm so glad there was a bathroom nearby, you know? That is true. I always wished that they would bring me back for one more episode so that I could get him back for doing that to me. So now I want you to talk about your childhood a little bit. So can you describe your childhood and who helped you the most, you'd say, through your childhood? Like a certain family member, friend? Well, I was very um, colorful and imaginative. I have three brothers and there was a certain time period where they were not interested in letting me play anything with them. So while they would play games or baseball or, you know, uh, hang out on the field, I would play around them just so I could still be involved. So I would be like, 
if they were playing a baseball game, then I would pretend to be the coach and the fans and the popcorn man and the cheerleader, which was really just role playing at an early age. If you think about it, I was playing a bunch of different roles, which was really setting me up for my career. And I'd say though, you know, I have really great relationships with all my brothers and a really great relationship with my father, but I'd say that the relationship that really helped me the most in my lifetime has been my relationship with my mom. She and I were the only girls in our family of men growing up. We had each other. We really loved each other. And she's always reminded me that I could do anything I wanted to do and that I could be anything I wanted to be. She's always been supportive. Yeah. And, and I'm always- glad you do. Cause I don't mean to keep running, but it reminds me of, I don't know if you heard the song. Have you heard the song Lose Yourself by Eminem? No. Check it out. It's Lose right, Yourself by Eminem. One of the last things he says, it's a little spoiler, is you can do anything you set your mind to, man. To me, that's just, that's it all. What? I'm going to go listen to that after our podcast, Sam. Thank you so much. Lose Yourself, Eminem. You yeah. can do anything you put yeah. your mind to. That's right. That's the, but it, the song has a backstory. I mean, I think almost Eminem, all of Eminem's stories have a background to it, but. Yeah, he's got some really good stories. To he does. Season. And yeah. they need to be heard. That's one of his I admire him. So I mean, if you check out, thank you. I'll have to look it up. Thank you for the suggestion. But yeah, my mom was a big influence in my life. Still is. Wow. You're, you're welcome. Now, you also got into theater. So was the role playing the thing that you'd say influenced you in theater? Or was there something else? You know, I really wanted to, for a time, like I said, be like my brothers. So I tried to go out for sports and I tried to go out, you know, and do science fairs and other things like they were doing, but I wasn't good at any of that stuff. I mean, I was okay. I was average, but you know what I was good at? I was good at singing and I was good at dancing and I was good at acting. So that kind of led to show choir, which led to musicals, which led to plays. And uh, one of the first plays I ever did was called The Mousetrap. And I actually played a man in that play. And it was really amazing. It kind of set the tone for me playing different, unique supporting roles, which I always felt like has been my my main go-to. I love a really, really like juicy supportive role. <laughs> so sure. it's, it's lovely that I ended up doing, you know, something like Asta, which is not only a lead character, but still very much a supportive role, which I thrive in. Yeah, I, I think you do thrive in those type of roles because they just fit you, I think. Yeah, I'm a, I like to be a support system, Sam. You do. I yeah, I think you try to be too. Now, you're also steering to music. So has music helped you in any way? And through your time of living, how has it changed? Music is universal and obviously is something that I think most of us can say inspires us depending on, you know, the musician or the artist. The thing that was really cool for me was after I had a really hard time in my life, I had a guitar, but I didn't know how to play it. And I started plucking the strings and I loved the way the vibrations like resonated in the house and they made me calm down and they made me feel really quiet and still. And I wanted to just hear the plucking of the music. So I asked my dad how to play and he taught me. And I find that playing guitar and singing has become another form of mental health. And it has helped me tremendously just kind of get quiet and calm and focused. Yeah, music has helped me too, because I don't play music. I listen to music. That's what I like to do a lot. Yeah. But because what I love is about music. So much listening and dancing and singing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Listening to music to me, if you think about it, it can tell you a story, the story Mm -hmm. that you can think of with the artist or a story that you can create up in your own head. Because yeah. I'm, I always listen to songs and I'm thinking, whoa, what does that line mean? 
holy crap that I would have never thought of saying that in a song yeah that's my favorite thing is hearing lyrics like hearing a lyric that really you know the one that you said with Eminem like you can do anything you put your mind to that's a lyric that sticks with you that's poetry man you know like that's really just like a mantra that you can carry with you and I think music does that for all of us exactly we got to take a quick commercial break and we'll get back to that we'll actually be talking about that when we get back hello everybody this is Mike Glasscott from the Glass in the Afternoon radio program on news sports Talk 98.7 and AM 1370 and WGCLradio.com. And on behalf of Wellspring Pain Solutions, they're happy to partner with Sam Mitchell and the Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast. Wellspring Pain Solutions applauds Sam's mission statement to eliminate the stigma associated with autism. Here's what we want you to do. Check out the website, wellspringpainsolutions.com. You'll find out which of the four locations is closest to you. You'll get a chance to meet their team of providers and all the services offered at Wellspring. When you're there, now the fun really begins. You'll find the link to Sam's website where you'll find all his podcasts, background information on his guests, as well as all the merch in his merchandise store. You'll be amazed. You'll have fun. You'll enjoy it. All we ask you to do is take a listen and spread the word that autism rocks and rolls. All right, we're folks, and we're back. And I don't want you to nervous meet these fine people because they are, will definitely take care of your nerves. So before the commercial breaks here, we talk about writing. What would say, like, when you write, what are some of your inspirations? Like, where do they come from? I write poetry mostly, a little bit of prose, and then I do write some songs sometimes for the guitar. And I'd say my inspiration comes from what we were talking about before with anxiety. I think my inspiration comes from thoughts and feelings that I'm dealing with. Sometimes my anxiety, you know, it's a really great way to, when you're not sure how you feel about something, to take pen to paper and get it out of you. And that's why I love writing poetry. And then my the songs that I write usually are based on a melody that I hear here in my head and I'll hear some sort of melody and I'll figure out how to pluck it on guitar and then I'll try and find you know the lyrics to follow so sometimes it's it's lyrics first music second and sometimes it's music first lyrics second so now I'm curiosity do you think we could collaborate sometime on some right I know I keep asking like for all these like goodies I guess like with the resident alien but I think we should collaborate right because we both have a story to tell a b I think we got we could probably come up with some good ideas heck yeah we should definitely collaborate we, I think we should too. But did you take any like creative writing classes or any like writing things in school or yeah, anything like I that? Did. I did. I took, that's why I was saying English teachers are my favorite. So I, I love that your mom's an English teacher. I loved English and I took a bunch of creative writing classes and I also took poetry classes and I, I've always been a fan of getting your thoughts out on paper and in poetic form. So that's what I've always endeavored to do. And one day my dream is to publish a book of poetry. So we'll see what you can collaborate on. Maybe you could write a poem in my poetry book. I'll take it. Thank you. You're also like a big fan of the outdoors. So why is like the outdoors so important to you? And, you get, and what do you do when you go out? Like yard work, like what do you enjoy to do out there? Uh, I love being in a garden. I love nature. I love the ocean. You know, my favorite thing about being outside is that you're really connected to the earth and you're really grounded. And I think sometimes it's really easy to kind of, just like depression and anxiety, it's easy to hide in your house. But if you go out into the sunlight, it's really, really hard to still feel sad when you're in the sunlight. That is true. 
But it's I actually odd. One of my friends who has a mental health issue, I won't fail who, but she actually likes the rain and foggy. To her, that makes her a little happy. So to me, I always find that kind of interesting. Yeah. I guess it all depends I, on who you are. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I love dancing in the rain. I love listening to the ocean. I love, you know, picking up dirt with my hands and, you know, making a new potted plant in my garden. I love taking my dog for walks. I just love the feeling of wind on my face. I just love nature. I'm a big nature junkie. You also have this YouTube channel called Miss Education Monday. Can you give us a little sneak peek about with that? Like, tell us a little bit about that. I started Miss Education Monday right after George Floyd was murdered. Um, it's been a year ago. Actually, yesterday was the anniversary of his death. And I, I call it the great wake up because it was a huge moment of society, especially people uh, that are white or with white privilege, waking up to the truth of how people of color in this nation are abused. And I feel like I got really mad after hearing stories about my education and how I wasn't being taught correct stories of history from my education. So I decided that every Monday for, I think I did it for, I don't know, maybe six months or so. Every Monday I would find a story that I thought I knew and then look up the truth about that story. And I learned a lot about people of color, people in history, the the truth of many different stories that I had never heard of before. And I was really upset that I'd never heard of them. So I thought, you know what, if I haven't heard them, there's other people out there who haven't heard them. And I might as well use my platform to educate and- to educate. Yeah, to, to help myself. more on racism, to educate more on segregation, to educate more on Harriet Tubman. I mean, I don't know if you did an episode exactly. on that, but- Yeah, exactly. So I just, just, you know, I had a little stint there during quarantine because I wasn't doing any else and because I was really upset and I wanted to learn that I decided to do miseducation Mondays as a way for other people who were listening to learn as well and I think it went you know I think it went well I think there were people that also were educated from that but you know it's so encouraging to hear most people doing their own form of education and that's something we need to still be doing yes even now. And I'm not going to tell you what to do, but maybe Sarah, because you're doing with the YouTube channel, maybe start a podcast. It's it's not like telling you what to do, but it's an idea to yeah. got an idea of what you could do. You know, I think that's a great idea. It's something that my friend, Suzanne, one of my best girlfriends during quarantine, we would get together every Tuesday and we would do poetry Tuesdays or dance Tuesdays, just something to keep ourselves, you know, rejuvenated while we were in quarantine. But she also was with me in protest and she decided to do a, um, you know, it's called, I think, Femistry Podcast, which is like feminine chemistry and putting that together, but really talking about rights, female rights, justice, and justice for all. And so one of these days I'm supposed to be on her podcast with her and maybe even help her. So I'm on it, Sam. I'm on it. I'm you're just ahead of me, aren't you? You're just ahead <laughs> of me. Now you're also like a huge on toxic relationships. So I had a question. So when I was doing some research on you during a 2019 Comic Con interview, you said this and it kind of like resembled with me, but I didn't know what it meant. So you said new flavor of cereal. So my question basically is, what the hell did you mean? What do you mean? What, what did I say again? You said new flavor of cereal about toxic relationships in a 2019 Comic Con interview. <laughs> I said toxic relationships was like a new flavor of cereal, huh? Yeah, you okay, said something what, about that. Okay, I think, 
probably, I'd have to hear the context of the conversation, but my guess is when you are in a relationship, you have this way that you are with one another, even if it's toxic, it's familiar. Okay. So let's say your favorite cereal is Cheerios, right? And so when you're in a toxic relationship, no matter what, you're always eating the Cheerios. But if you try something new, if you try to get out of that routine and you go and find some new flavor of cereal, like Lucky Charms, you realize you've been missing out this whole time on a relationship that's better for you, that's healthier, that's colorful, that's not Cheerios. The problem is- It's not bland. It's not dull anymore. It's not bland. It's not dull. It's not causing you pain. The problem is most of the time, we all as humans have a hard time with change. So even if you're in a toxic relationship, you might stay in it just because it's familiar. But if you're willing to try to get out of it and try something new and try to take care of yourself, you'll be rewarded with lucky charms. I think that's what I was trying to say. Okay. I- I, when you said, yeah, because we, I mean, I loved it when you said that, but I thought, what the? Because I, I, I thought it was really cool. <laughs> I, I was cool. I like metaphor and I'm sure I was just, you know, what I meant to say was like, you know, you got to try new things. You can't stay in the same relationship forever. It's not doing anything. It's not going anywhere. And it's certainly not helping you. It's not helping. It's just hurt. It's just, you're going to get more hurt and hurt. You can't change them. You might as well. Yeah, you might have good cholesterol because of those Cheerios, but you know, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we have one more commercial break, but then we'll wrap up here and then we will talk about actually more about your personal and just some of your hobbies. So let's do it. Perfection Autoglass is the largest independent autoglass company in the state of Indiana, serving Bloomington, Fishers, Terre Haute, Greenwood, Anderson, and Muncie. They specialize in all aspects of autoglass repair and replacement on everything from domestic and import vehicles, RVs, heavy trucks, and equipment repairing glass, outside mirrors, windows, regulators, and motors. Perfection Autoglass has trained and certified technicians that Calibrate the camera attached to your windshield to ensure your lane departure warning and ADS safety features are working properly. Their staff has more than 100 years of combined experience and uses only uses the highest quality glass and sealants in the industry. If your windshield or windows are damaged in any way, just have them replaced it or repaired as soon as possible for the safety of you and your loved ones. They offer both in-shop and mobile services as well as same-day service. Perfection Autoglass works directly with all insurance companies and their staff is committed to the highest level of quality service and attention to details that customers have come to expect. They understand that getting your vehicle back on the road as soon as possible is important to you. You can visit them online at perfectionautoglassindiana.com to learn more about their services and for a free quote, which I think is kind of cool, by the way, may I add. But anyway, please call Perfection Autoglass for any and all your auto glass needs. All right, folks, and we're back. And yes, please check them out because they are perfect. Believe me. Sarah, you earlier mentioned your friend with Alice Wetterland or Darcy. Are you friends like in real life as well or just on the show? We are friends in real life as well. Now, we weren't friends before the show because we didn't know each other, but now we're we're the best of friends. Now, I know like they probably like the show like helped you guys out, but what offset made you guys just click, honestly? I, I admire Alice because she's so honest and she's so 
hilarious, but she's also really good about being honest about being messy. And I think I'm somebody who's an advocate of messy. And I say messy, meaning like, you know, people always walk around having it all together and acting like they have it all together. But the truth is nobody really knows what they're doing. Everybody's just walking around trying to figure it out. And Alice is the kind of person who's just totally honest about that. She's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. And she's in your face about it. And she's so brutally honest, but in the best, most beautiful way. That's she like Darcy, sort of. She's kind of in your yeah. face. She lives out loud. She lives proud. She knows the mistakes she's made. She knows who she is. And she's very strong and very capable. And she's one of the most fun people to be around. She's one of my new favorite friends. Now we'll wrap up. Now these four, they're just for fun. So my first one is, what's like your favorite food or like, Paradise meal, I guess. And why is it your favorite? Oh gosh. I love like a charcuterie board. I love to have options. Do you know what charcuterie is? No, ma'am. It's like, it's a, it's like a, a meat board. So you have different meats, different cheeses, different, you know, nuts and, and fruits. Like a meat tray. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Okay. Yeah. My husband and I live for a charcuterie board. And you know what's great about it? You can mix and match whatever you want that day, but it usually involves meats and cheeses. Sometimes there's olives, sometimes there's nuts. I always love combining fruit and dates. Um, and I just, I love that. I could eat it for every meal of the day. It's one of my favorites. Now on the meat though, is it, what's your favorite meat though? Like pepperoni, salami, hot dog? Prosciutto. Prosciutto. Okay. I call it meat candy. You ever had it? I think I have. You got it. You know what? I'm going to go listen to that Eminem song and you go find some prosciutto and have some on me. Okay. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. What is your favorite movie or TV show and why do you like it? And you could say the ones you've been on or you could say a total new one. Your call, you want to answer it. Oh my gosh. My favorite movie. Ooh, that's a tough question. But you know what? I have to say one of my favorite movies of all time is called Reality Bites. It's from the 90s. Ben Stiller directed it. Can you believe it? Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke are in it. Janine Garofalo. It's wonderful. And it's all about dealing with being human beings and how messy that can be in the 90s in Texas. So I love that film. And the TV show that I'd say is my favorite. You know, I was a big fan of Dawson's Creek and Felicity back in the day when I was younger. I I watched those a ton. One of my biggest TV show favorites of all time, though, is Twin Peaks. It is so good and so weird. My husband and I are big geeks of Twin Peaks. It seems like we're, so. We're twin peak geeks. Yeah. I was, gonna, I was ready to joke around and call it, make a pun with Twin Peets, but I didn't think that would work. Like Twin Peets because you weren't sneaking. Or Twin Geeks. <laughs> we're Twin Geeks. <laughs> Sounds like so. What has been like your favorite vacation that you have ever taken and why did you enjoy it very much? My favorite vacation? Oh man, good question. My husband and I went to Joshua Tree and he got us this tent to stay in that's kind of like glamping where you have a heater and a bed, but it's still a tent. And we saw all the stars and we played Yahtzee, which I actually got a Yahtzee like twice in a row my best time ever playing that game. We just had so much fun being out in nature and the stars and the desert. Joshua Tree is one of our favorite places. And we think about that trip all the time. We love it. Uh, I'm glad you enjoy it. 
is it, and it's tropicals. Where is that located? Because I've never been there. Desert. So it's not it's not tropical, but it's definitely got these cool trees that look like they're you know from out of this world, yeah. and it's really close to the stars. It's what it feels like when when it's nighttime. It feels like all the stars come out to say hello, and the sunsets are gorgeous. It's um it's a really magical sacred land in Joshua Tree. This is the final question. Are there any good memories that you would to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? But I want like a good memory that made you feel good and a memory that made you fall on the floor, but it can be any funny memory with like Resident Alien one, Sneaky Pete one, just with yourself one, your call. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of falling on the floor, uh, it's memory I have in Canada. I, again, I was with my husband. We were, um, we were in a, an apartment in Canada and I was talking to him and I don't really remember what I was saying, but I scooted back and I fell off the floor, I f- fell off the bed onto the floor. And I made this sound, <laughs> which I've never made that sound in my entire life, Sam. I don't know why that's the sound that came out of my mouth, but it's the thing that makes me laugh. Every time I think about that memory, I think about falling and, and humility and how there are just sounds that come out of our bodies sometimes when we are in total shock. And I think yeah. that that's and no offense. You sound like my grandmother. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know how that sound came out of my mouth. You're right. I sounded like a, like a, you're right. Like an old lady just falling over. Yeah. I was hilarious. And it reminds me of a story too. Of my grandma isn't afraid of roller coasters, but my dad, like when he was younger, convinced her to take her on. So when my grandma was going up, she's like, oh my, oh my, <laughs> oh my. Praying that she doesn't die. One. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have so many good memories, but I will give you one from the Resident Alien show. And that's when I told you my friend Meredith Gerritsen, she's one of my best friends. When she showed up the first day to Canada and we realized that we were going to be in a show together, she had just gotten out of the airport and she got dropped off by a car. And you know, those like spinning doors, she like came through the spinning door, just like so happy, biggest smile on her face. And we just had the biggest hug in the lobby of that hotel that we were staying in. And I'll, I'll never forget how excited we were to not only be best friends, but to start a journey of being on a show together. It was, it was awesome. It still is. Well, I think that's all, but before we go, first of all, do you have anything you'd like to, any closing remarks or anything you'd like to promote? No, not the time i mean i want to promote autism rocks and rolls keep coming back for more podcasts sam is the best that's what i'm promoting thank you and i'll tell you this too out of the guests i've had you're probably one of my favorites you're on the top five sam i'd love to do this with you again sometime for season two okay so make sure your mom hits me back up after season two airs i will thank you sarah you have a great night thank you thanks gina are you hearing about me thanks for for this episode please tune in for another episode coming very soon Hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much. How are you dealing without me?